Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate in the huddle, special edition on a Monday. This is a very special day for Raider Nation Radio because all the shows will be live out here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center Studios here in Henderson. It'll be Vinny, Clay, Heidi here in the morning, and then you'll have JT the Brick from noon to 2 and Q Myers. Demon Cotton. Unnecessary Roughness will go from 2 to 5 today on a very special day for Raider Nation Radio. Thanks again to Damon, Alexandra, Eddie, and Will for having us out here. And uh, we'll get a hold of Brian Baldinger in just a few minutes, live from the NFL Network. But just to back on what uh, Steve was talking about of how the frightening aspect of what Max Crosby and Chandler Jones can do because you have finally two expert pass rushers, that is something that not every team can have, but it's something that every AFC West team seems to have already. Yeah, and I don't think it's just that, but I like what they're doing in terms of the idea of sub-defense. I think something that this defense is needed to do is to evolve with what the NFL has seen in terms of packages and being able to protect. And I like the idea of having both of those bookends, of course, uh, and the the push that they're going to get up front from some of these defensive tackles, I think is going to make all the difference as well. And we're speaking now with Brian Baldinger. Coming on live here from the NFL Network, the great analyst with the Fox Sports, as well as Odyssey and Compass Media. Follow him on Twitter at BaldyNFL, because each and every week we do here on the Morning Tailgate. Brian, thank you for joining us. Good morning to you. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm talking with the Raiders. I mean, what could be better than that right now? Well, it's fun because each and every week during the season, we would go and listen to your Baldi's breakdowns and we would play them on the air. And with all your travel, first question on that, how are you cranking those out every morning during the regular season? Because I know you were constantly on the move. How do you do it? Well, you just don't sleep. You know, you sleep in June. <laughs> you know, you sleep in February. I mean, you know, you just, you got to give, you got to give the fans what they want. And, um, you know, you, you try and, Try and get a, a little cat nap when you can, but you know there's not a lot of sleep between Sundays and Mondays in this league right now. Brian, um, the Raiders are making a change in uh, defensive scheme this year. They've been traditionally a four-three defense for quite a few years. Patrick Graham uh, is the new defensive coordinator, and their base defense is going to be a three-four. Uh, do we make too much of uh, a change in scheme like that, going from a four-three front to a three-four? No, no, I, I think that. Uh, it's not. It, it's just not a, an easy transition. You can't just flip a switch on that. That could be difficult. I mean, it'll change things for Chandler's played in a three four before, but Max hasn't. So it'll be a little bit different for him. But I mean, I think he can handle it. But uh, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a first down defense in this league right now. They're going to get to a four man, you know, pass rush in front as quickly as possible. But it does change things. Linebackers, you know, two inside linebackers and. It changes the, the coverages a little bit, but they're, they're, it's it's you know it's a transition that not everybody just makes seamlessly, and um, and can do in one off season. Sometimes there's a lot of personnel changes that take place with it. You, you mentioned Max Crosby, and he's traditionally a four three defensive end. puts puts his hand in the dirt and rushes the passer from that vantage point. Could we see him p- potentially playing upright and and rushing off the edge in that uh, from that alignment? 
I hope not. I hope that's what he's doing. You know, I mean, I he's a pass rusher, and he's a great player, as we know, and he plays with great effort. I'm sure he'll do whatever Coach asks him to do. He's that kind of a guy. I don't think – I think he's got athletic ability to be able to drop into the flat and some of the things you do. But I would be surprised if you see that more than a handful of times. I've seen Khalil Mack do it. He never looks good doing it. Uh, it's been part of his scheme in some of the places he's been. But I wouldn't advise Patrick Graham to drop Max Crosby a bunch. I, I think it would take away from what he does best. Some of the things that Max does best is improvising and showing that continued push when he's coming up against the line, the stunts that put together. And he broke down his signature spin move at Von Miller's Pass Rush Academy this weekend. Was that a mistake that Max giving up the, the skills of the trade? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not sure, Heidi. Uh, I, I think, you know, guys get excited. You know, you're in the presence of Von Miller, and, you know, you're just talking pass rush. You, you can probably say more than you need to. You still got to stop it. You don't know when it's going to come. I was talking to uh, a young kid. He's going to be a great player out of Wisconsin a couple weeks ago, and he's a big Max Crosby fan, and he's been studying his spin. The one thing about Max, he can spin inside or outside, and not many guys can do that. So uh, you still have to stop it. Uh, and you don't know when it's going to come. You know, the best thing about Max is he just keeps growing his arsenal of moves and counter moves and counters to counters. And so he doesn't stop. You know, he's just um, kinetic energy. So uh, you still have to stop it. You know, I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't, you know, say exactly what I'm looking for and why I would spin on a certain guy versus not a guy. Um, but that being said, uh, it's out there for anybody to study right now, I guess. And just to follow up on what we've been discussing here with the defensive front is the defensive tackle spot in Patrick Graham's defensive scheme. How mm-hmm. do you see th- uh, that person? Who? What type of physical, I guess, prowess does that person need to have in Patrick Graham's defense to be successful? Well, it's interesting. You know, when Patrick was the defensive coordinator with the Giants, I mean, he played his big personnel inside a lot. Um. You know, he, he, you know, Leonard Williams never really came off the, the field. He was like a real move type guy because he had a lot of versatility. But, you know, when you looked at them, they, they, they stayed big for as long as they could. So, you know, they've added a lot of new players, you know, Vernon Butler and Bilal Nichols and uh, Tyler Lancaster. They've all played a lot of snaps in this league. But the big thing was bringing Jonathan Hankins back and making sure he's kind of anchors the middle. But, you know, he, if he, those guys are they they're required to get push in the middle, you know, and they'll run stunts with their ends and twist in up front with their guys, and so there'll be a, a lot of movement um, up and down the line with the, with their big people, uh, not just in a base three four look. I mean, he'll overload those guys and come back, and he does a lot with them, and he probably stays base a lot longer than most defensive coordinators running a four three. This is the voice of Brian Baldinger here with us on Raider Nation Radio, NFL Network Analyst at Baldy NFL on Twitter. And, of course, go online, footballstories.com. Brian, when you look at what the linebacker role has now uh, evolved into, especially for what Patrick Graham may want to do, as you brought up, uh, yeah, he uses a lot of big guys. They want to stay big as long as possible, on the field as long as possible. But for the linebackers, how do you see that now changing throughout the league, especially for this team? We know Denzel Perryman will be there, but it seems as though that they want to run a lot of multiple looks and a lot of different types of body types for that position. He'll have a lot of packages. 
He did with New York. I mean, I'm just basing on what I saw in New York. Two years ago, 2020, the Giants were coming. Now, it fell off last year for whatever reason, but 2020 was a good year for that defense. Um, you know, offensively, they couldn't score last year. So, yeah, they were just on the field way too much and in bad situations. Mike Glennon was awful at quarterbacks. So that didn't help them. But, you know, when you watch them in 2020 now, I mean, they had a bunch of young linebackers. They drafted rookies. They had packages for everybody. So, like, I liked Devon Diablo, what we saw from him last year. He'll be on the field. Jayon Brown, you know, they picked up from Tennessee. He's played a lot of different type of looks. Um, and so I think you'll see a lot. I think you'll see a third down package sometimes with, uh, you know, maybe just one linebacker, uh, just depending on. But you'll see a lot of personnel groupings depending on a down distance situation of the game, with the lead, not with the lead, two minute, all those kind of things. Just look at the number of different packages that Patrick Graham has. I think he's really smart. I think he's going to be a head coach. I think this is probably a good change right now for him. But I think the players are really going to respond to what he does. Mm. Brian, you mentioned Bilal Nichols and Vernon Butler. What could Raider Nation uh, expect from those two defensive uh, linemen? You know, just steady blue-collar guys. Um, you know, Bilal Nichols has been in, in Chicago, and they've had a very good defense for the last five years. He's been a part of it. He's been a rotational player. He can kind of – he's a little bit like a piano man. He can play up and down the line of scrimmage. Uh, Vernon Butler was, you know, drafted at a – I think he was from La Tech, uh, but drafted by Carolina. And Carolina under you know Ron Rivera, they like to be really big and thick inside, and that's what Vernon Butler is. He's a big, thick guy. He doesn't get moved a lot uh, up front. Um, you know, he went on to Buffalo with that group that came out of Carolina, and so uh, I think he's got a little versatility. But he's just that anchor that you need inside, especially with teams that want to try to run the ball on. Clee Farrell, uh, Brian, didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. Fourth pick uh, in the draft in 2019, probably hasn't lived up to those expectations. This is probably his last opportunity here in Las Vegas to really uh, create a niche for himself and a role for himself moving forward. Is there still a future for um, for Clee Farrell? Maybe this change of scenery with his new defensive staff uh, could be the key that unlocks it. Maybe. Maybe. You don't know. I mean, we just don't see the suddenness that you need at that position, you know, to beat people with any regularity. And he doesn't have that. I might, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of character you have or, you know, what kind of person. I know he's a good person. But, you know, you've got to have something special about you. Like nobody plays harder than Max Crosby in the whole league. Nobody plays more snaps and plays harder than Max. Like, you know, there's just a big difference between the two of them. Same draft, fourth round, first round. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you come into the league. It's how you develop. And we just haven't seen the develop, development from him. Um, you don't see anything that he does that's special. All right, He's just not a special player at this point. Now, maybe Patrick unlocks something with him and sees something. Sometimes it just takes a, a different set of eyes, a new location, or a different uh, you know, way of doing things that might do that. So I don't want to write him off. But we haven't seen anything that makes him special. When you bring in Chandler Jones, uh, who can play a, a, a high volume of snaps, it's hard to believe that Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, if healthy, aren't going to be on the field when you need them the most. As you start to flip the script and look at the offensive linemen for a second, just when you 
think of a guy like Colton Miller, who's been the left tackle and really a solid starter for the Raiders on the O-line. When you look at the other side and see a guy like Alex Leatherwood, I like what you had to say there, how it doesn't matter how you come into the league, but it's how you develop. How does a guy like Alex Leatherwood take the leap from his rookie season to this season and become a guy like Colton Miller, who also struggled early on in his Mm -hmm. career? I think um, the big thing is you got to get stronger. You got to be able to handle, especially if Alex is playing inside against the defensive tackles that he went against last year. Um, you know, you get you get all types. I mean, there's the Aaron Donalds of the world that are just all world, but then you get some really big, powerful people, and you get a lot of movement inside. And so for Alex, the the big thing to him is he's got to get stronger. He's got the long arms. That's great. He's got to get stronger with them. You know, he's got to get more power. And you know, these young players can get a lot stronger. I mean, I was just talking to Lane Johnson from the Eagles this morning. Came in the league at 310 pounds. You know, he's 335 pounds now. He's a lot stronger now than he's ever been. And that translates to confidence. You know, when you, when you feel powerful, you feel like you can move mountains. And you can, you can do more damage inside. And so I think he's got, you know, some, I think he's got some good hips to him. Um, he's just got to get stronger. You know, you just can't get pushed around. You can't get off balance. You got to stay on your feet. And that's uh, a function of core strength uh, and improving that core strength. You know, lastly, uh, just want to ask you, Brian, from over the years watching Josh McDaniel's offense go in and, uh, with the Bill Belichick process, how do you think it's going to work out here in Las Vegas with all the weapons they have on offense? And what makes a Josh McDaniel's offense so difficult for a defense? Well, you know, it, it, can, be, it can be a little tricky now. There are a lot of guys that have left that nest in New England and not done particularly well. I'm not saying this True. about Josh. Yeah. But one of the things they do that's wrong, Billy O'Brien did this in Houston, it was wrong. You, Tom Brady can process a lot of information. He's, he was there forever. And so you could always add things to the plate because Tom Brady could handle it. And then, more importantly, knew how to get all that information out to everybody. So I'm not saying Derek Carr can't do that, but you have to be careful about how much of the playbook that they built in New England that you can do. They were a big two-back offense in New England. Okay, and whenever one thing to look for, which would be interesting to me, is one of the staples of Bill Belichick. Whenever they struggled in a game or a series of games, and they always seemed like it was early in the year, they always went back to eye formation. They went back to the basics, knock guys off the ball, win the line of scrimmage. Like, that was a staple with Josh, with Josh and with Bill Belichick in New England forever. And it, it, it always held up. And it, it, it seemed to be how they always kind of found their true north. You know, they found their center. And so I think, you know, I, I think he has every single trick play, every formation, uh, things that you could do with the line of scrimmage, things you could do on the fly. He has all of that. But, you know, you got to find out what you're good at. And then, you know, make sure that that's forefront. And then the things that you're not good at. If you're not good at power runs, you don't call power runs. If you don't have guards that can pull and, you know, do those kind of things, then you don't call those kind of plays. And so you got to find out what your strengths are and what you can get good at. And then you, you sort of emphasize those. Brian, thank you for coming on today. You always give us such great stuff, especially about the Belichick tendencies there. I love that, man. And uh, before we let you go, you know, in Las Vegas, uh, sometimes uh, reality gets a little distorted, especially about Philly cheesesteaks. And we (laughs) thought we would ask you, because you're from Philadelphia, where do you stand on Cheese Whiz on a Philly? 
Absolutely. You got to yes. go with the Wiz. You have to go. I mean, I, look, provolone is provolone. All right? I mean, it's the king of the cheese. But, you know, you got to you, – you can't come to South Philly and go to Geno's Steaks and not have a Wiz. And, you know, I'm loading it up with mushrooms and onions, too. I don't care what it does to my I'm breath. I don't care what it does yes. to my arteries. I'm loading it up. You know, it's, it's the <laughs> ultimate cheat meal. I was with you on that 100%, and there were some doubters. So thank you very much for clarifying yes, my that. Pleasure. <laughs> All right. It's moderation. Thank you, Brian. Well, thank you, Brian. Day. Okay. See you, gang. Brian Baldinger from NFL Network at Baldy NFL on Twitter. Awesome stuff. And uh, now what's out? Yeah, if you want to go with a whiz, you can go with a whiz. Woo! I will not pretend Nothing that wrong I with a little provolone. <laughs> no, no. Can't I have them all? <laughs> yeah, run, can I put actually. all the cheeses? You can. Okay. <laughs> he called it the king of the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. You got to mess with those peppers, too. You got to put those peppers on that thing. Oh, okay. you don't mess around with that at all. Oh, okay. yes. Interesting stuff out of that. And uh, there is some breaking news we'll get to in just a second. But just to recap on that. Uh, what do you think about what he said about Clee Farrell there? I love that question you asked him, Vinny. They said that he doesn't have that suddenness that you need to have at that Not position. Not a special player. Yeah, and he also said that. Yeah, um, no, it's true. I mean, there's there's no doubt. He's had plenty of opportunities to uh, to distinguish himself as a uh, upper echelon player. And for now, now uh, at this point, it's just really finding a niche for himself. And uh, I'm wondering how much... He's going to play on the inside if he's capable of doing that in this kind of a scheme. Uh, the pass rush, you know, that's just never came along. You know, he was billed as somebody that could be an edge setter as a 4-3 defensive end. Thought he did that reasonably well before he got hurt in year two. And then COVID, uh, he got struck with COVID as well. And that took a lot out of him. Uh, he's just never been the same player since then, really. And that pass rush that you have to have in today's NFL just never materialized. And the explosiveness. Yes, exactly. That's we, I think a lot of people have been hinging on waiting to see is that explosion from him right. really pushing the aggressiveness like Baldinger was talking about. And those are the things that when I watch him play are lacking. I mean, especially when you put him up and sh- he shadows in comparison to guys like Max and Chandler, if you're calling him a pure defensive end, which he's never really been. Yeah, and that's why um, um, I'm wondering if a, if a different role, maybe uh, sliding him in side where the focus becomes, you know, anchoring the run defense and trying to create some push up front is, is where it's going to happen uh, for him. But but at this point in his career, he's just got to show that he could be somebody that can be on an NFL football field on a consistent basis. And, you know, I know that it wasn't his fault that he was picked fourth uh, in, the, in the draft in 2019. I don't think anyone really ever projected that to happen other than, you know, Mike Mack and, and John Gruden uh, on their draft board. Um, but, you know, so you can't fault him for that. But at this point, uh, he's got to figure something out and figure out a way to, to, to stay on the field and be a viable player. And I don't know if that, if that train has left the, uh, the station. And I wonder that, too, by moving him inside, his body doesn't really fit with the other body sizes that are inside right now. Everyone seems to be right at that 300-pound level and up, mm. and and Klee is still at around, like, 270. It makes you wonder, like, where his fit is on this defensive team and the line or at the edge or somewhere along the same uh, growth pattern. We'll, have, we'll find out as the weeks come here at Raider Nation Radio. we got to step aside. Some breaking news has happened here where one of the Raiders' natural rivals has just found a new owner. We'll tell you who that is on the other side. It's Raider Nation Radio, the morning tailgate with Vinny, Heidi, and Clay on Raider Nation Radio. Now, back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Embajador Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. 
I'm back here on Rare Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate. You're on R&R 920 on this Monday. Clay Baker, Vinnie Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, we're all here with you today as we move into a new era for this season. And it's all starting really quickly because uh, with uh, the mini camps and the training camps all taking place, like uh, we're going to be here and giving you the best information, setting you up each and every morning as you should here on Raider Nation Radio. So As you deserve. You deserve it. It's you your birthright. And, uh, We're here to deliver. And, here and cheese. And cheese. I know, We've people... been talking a lot about cheese during the break, guys. <laughs> like, never telling, enough cheese. I was telling Heidi <laughs> in, the, in the break that I, I can't mix. Like if it's an orange cheese, <laughs> if it's a white cheese, it's a white cheese. Yeah. But never shall the two meet on any sandwich or burger or anything like that, that I ever had. Well, when you melt them, they don't work together. There's one thing uh, that I love just white cheese on that's a white pizza. Yes. Well, I mean, any pizza is just mozzarella. That's like, that's, I mean, sometimes you could put. There's the four cheeses. Yes, but those are all white in, um, (laughs) like, you've got your, yeah. But when somebody puts cheddar cheese on a pizza. Oh. I am sorry, but I'm going through the roof. And I see that uh, various places. In St. Louis, they have Prevel, which is half something. Half Swiss cheese. It's like the worst combination. Really? Madness. But if yeah. you take the pizza, cut it in half, and then smack it together, and then try to eat it like a giant calzone, does that make up for it? Uh, in terms of <laughs> the flavor. It still, the has flavor. To be, it still has to be the, flavor. the mozzarella. Or that's it. Like yeah. that's just, you know, just the mozzarella, yeah, not the Romano we, or the Parmesan. Can, oh, yeah, well, definitely. Okay, okay. You got to throw just some checking, of that on there. Just yes. checking. Uh, no, no, no chatter. I derailed things. Back to you, Clay. (laughs) People are very, very upset at this, but that's okay. Well, we'll take it to a next level here. Well, we'll invite you all out here. We can do it like make your own Philly cheesesteak. There you go. Oh, yeah. With the tailgate. I love it. We're getting some news in from Denver. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Broncos have finally figured out that ownership mess. A Bowling family fighting. Uh, I just can't believe that the kids don't want to take over the team, but whatever. That's their mess. But it finally looks like a bidder has come into play. And it's an heir to the Walmart fortune. Yes. It uh, looks like Walmart is uh, the front runner, let's put it that way, uh, to buy the uh, Denver Broncos. I think, what was it, $4.5 billion? Yeah. 4.5 bill for the Rob Denver Broncos. Walton, um, the eldest son of, uh, of the Walton uh, gang uh, over there uh, and, Walt- and, and Walmart. Interestingly, um, his sister mm-hmm. is married to Stan Kroenke. So uh, there's a little bit of... That going on, yeah. so there. I can imagine, you know, Thanksgiving dinner at the Cronkies oh, uh, and Waltons. <laughs> I'm sure it's already competitive when you're starting to talk about billions upon billions. By the way, Stan Kroenke always cringes when people say, "Oh, you married, you know, into uh-huh. the Walton family." The, and he's like, I, "I mean, I brought like five billion dollars to the table myself. It's not like I, you know, come on." Yeah, he's not like the like the uh, the guy that was like left over and is like you know all right come on over you can sit in the family picture you're the brother in law right uh, right no, he brought his own money but and and uh, Walton she owns the Denver Nuggets so I mean it's like they have this yeah. great conglomeration of ownership there but uh, it's going to take a while for it all to get cleared but. Uh, eventually what they're trying to find is like, could there ever be stability in that organization? Because still Denver is still trying to figure it out after going through multiple, uh, you know, double digit loss seasons. I think when you look over the, if you take in this ownership, the name alone provides stability because of what they've accomplished in terms of just 
the I think how many WalMarts there are in the world, and like how much they'll be able to continue uh, being the oh, yeah. owner of this and, and building from there and restructuring things. I mean, I don't know exactly what you'll come in and do right away, but I think that there'll be a philosophy shift for sure in terms of new ownership and how things get handled within the organization from the top on down. Yeah, and I think that uh, just the stability because there was uh, a little disarray with the family and you know how that can happen sometimes, you know, when there's multiple yeah. children. I, I want to say there were multiple parents, yeah, I moms, I think. So uh, there were different, you know, segments of, of the Bolin family and uh, it just didn't work. And so now they have to move in a different direction. And I think when you talk about Walmart and the money behind Walmart – um, the Denver Broncos obviously are going to be in a safe place uh, from a financial uh, perspective. And now you wonder, okay, John Elway is still the president of the of, of the Broncos. Uh, I don't think he's anywhere. He's a fixture uh, in Denver. George Patton's the general manager. Um, so you wonder how much of it this is going to affect the football side of things. I think for now, if you're if you're Walmart, once you clear all the necessary hurdles uh, to officially buy the team. It seems like the Broncos are heading in the right direction, getting Russell Wilson and and revamping what they've what they've done there. So I don't see any need to make any massive changes from the football side of things. All right. So there are seven heirs to the Walton family fortune, right? Who are the richest family in America, thanks to their stake in Walmart. So those seven heirs are Sam's three living children, Rob, Jim, and Alice, mm-hmm. his daughter in law Christy, her son Lucas, plus Bud's two daughters, Ann and Nan. Bud. Bud. That's Bud. an Arkansas name right there. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Bud. <laughs> and Brother Otis. You know, it's like, <laughs> like right. there's some good old Southern names there. <laughs> Let's take some calls. 702-365-9200. We'll get out to the phones here on the Realty One Group listener line. 702-365-9200. Out to the nation's capital with Tom. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Hey, good morning, Clay, Heidi, and Vinny. We got the whole gang in there today. Yeah, we're, we're, yes. we're going to hit the road. This yeah. is a great, uh, we're like Rush, we're the power trio. There you go. Well, listen, first of all, if the Waltons do indeed take over the Denver Broncos, I guess that means out goes the dress code at Denver Stadium, right? <laughs> as long as you bought it at Walmart. Yeah, as long as you bought it at Walmart, people I guess Walmart, that's fine. People of Walmart, people at Denver. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the other thing I wanted to mention is, and I know there's been some talk lately about the replacement for Brent Musburger, and, and again, we've heard oh, yeah. talk here and there, but one name that I that I keep going back to, who I really had hoped would get the gig uh, once Papa was ousted, was Beth Mullins. I've got so much respect for Beth and the the work that she's done, and I think with the work that she's done with the Raiders, uh, with the mm-hmm. preseason games, would provide some instant credibility and you want to talk about mark davis and the raiders organization trendsetters and being uh just, just icebreakers putting beth mowens in as the radio person i think to do so much good for the league and just so much good for raider nation and one more thing i think if you're looking for a sideline reporter you got to put passionate raider on the sideline <laughs> <laughs> he might run across the field and right. play to go tackle somebody across the other sideline. Just you know, if, if they looked at him the wrong way, I, I, I could picture it. Draw, I could, juggernaut. I could, yeah, I could picture a Woody Hayes situation. Tom, hey, thanks for the call. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. That's a little thought. Hey, what do you think about Beth? The scary thought. Yes, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a, a risky thought. It's risky. I like risky. it. I'll take it. Uh, Beth Bowens is. Uh, I tell you what, a national name though. I was wondering, like you know. Uh, 
I wonder is she I wonder if she's like doing any like um you know, a major, you know, boost stuff that's already there in alignment for the NFL. And would a taking a team flagship, would that be a step down, a lateral move? Because she's already like on the rise and rise. You know what I mean? Like she's right. like, uh, she's becoming at the top of her game and top of the uh, the broadcast game. Yeah. And I, and I just wonder um, if you're if you're the Raiders, uh, you know, you've had some elder states, uh, uh, statesmen over the years, um, most recently in that position. Do you go younger and just grow with that person? Um, you know, you're in now Las Vegas. It's a it's a whole new uh, world and a whole new um Horizon again. Do you do you go with somebody maybe a little bit younger and just have that person grow with you in the organization? I like the idea of her having been a seasoned vet at calling games for like ESPN and everything, and just the second woman to call nationally televised college football games as well. And that happened back fifteen uh, ish years ago. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's great to have a seasoned voice in there. I mean, oh, you know, sure. yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm all about it. But I get what you're saying, Vinny. Like, if there are, you know, people who can be the next voice of this organization for, you know, 40, 50 years to come. Why not? Yeah, and you have to figure that uh, where where Brent was age-wise, I think mm-hmm. he just turned 83 years 83, old. It's yeah. obviously something that the Raiders have probably been looking ahead to on the just-in-case basis. You know, Brent decides to to, to move on and uh, and step down. So I'm sure there's a uh, list of, uh, of of replacements that they have uh, ready-made and uh, are going to are going to go down that list, but. Uh, I know fans are really interested, and rightfully so, because you know that's that's going to be the voice of your team. I like the responses we got on Friday's show. How people expressed how much they use the radio, um, you know, the follow Raider Nation, you yeah. know, uh, during the week. That's one thing, but how much they use the radio. Yeah. So they want to have it. You know, that's their. You know, that's what they go to. Even if they're at the game, they'll find a way to you know plug in their headphones to listen to see what Lincoln Kennedy is going to say. Yep. And follow the further details because uh, that that's the kind of like love and passion uh, this fan base has for this team because they need that information and they want to hear it from their guys exactly. or girls. There's there's something to be said about hearing it from the from the local crew, and that's one thing I love about local radio. Uh, whether you're talking about baseball or, or the NFL or, or you know uh, the NBA, I, you know some people cringe a little bit when when they hear some of the local broadcasts how they're rooting for their teams i think that that's fine if you're the local guy or like you said woman um you ought to be able to do that like enjoy the game with your fans of course be objective of course tell the truth and and paint an honest uh uh, picture of what's going on but i don't mind some of the quirky and fun sort of fans uh uh, in local broadcasts Oh, I, I think you need it. You need to have that kind of personality, but at the same people time, people who talk about cheese whiz and smacking pizzas together—it might be the only <laughs> thing they remember from this show. <laughs> smacking pizzas together like a big sandwich. You know, I just found out. I, I'm just looking at it that uh, Beth doesn't have any like major, you know, commitments. No. To any, uh, you know, a, a national source for that. Uh, the great uh, Justina Anderson just tweeted. Yeah. I'm told that second round bids to purchase the Denver Broncos have not yet been submitted but are indeed expected today. Thus, any notion that a favorite has emerged uh. 
or that a figure has been finalized is categorically false okay. per league uh, source. Thanks to uh, Q Myers for uh, texting that uh, yeah. to us uh, good. Uh, to keep us updated. Yeah, so, you know, a little bit premature. And, uh, you know, reading some of the local Denver people, it's not finalized for sure. Uh, it might be headed in this direction, uh, but it certainly isn't a done deal at this point. Yeah. I had read that they have up until 3 p.m. Mountain Time. Okay. Uh, the, they have to put in second. So Heidi, if you shake the you know the pillows and the, the under, <laughs> have the a chance, that, maybe we could cobble together <laughs> the money to go buy the Denver Broncos. If I got four dollars, how much does that right, buy right. me at the Broncos organization? <laughs> oh, okay. Just to you know be an owner. We'll have take some it to the roulette wheel. We'll find it. <laughs> oh, there you go. I was thinking at four point five billion, who's going to come over on top of that? But right, right. You got four point five billion. Just seemed like that one number. Like eesh, because the other part is Walmart could go. Go higher and well, higher and higher. So does it become um, you know fruitless at, at any point where you're just chasing a ghost because you know that that other side is going to just match whatever it is or top whatever it is that you come up with? No, what's interesting is when the UFC sold, right? They were offered $5 billion by another organization than who later became the owner, WME. So they sold for a little over $4 billion, but they did have higher bids. So I think it came down to the Fertitta's decision who they wanted to be involved with the organization. But that is something that I, I... Took into account, and there is somebody out there that bid more than four, I think it was $4.2 billion the UFC sold for. Also, there's a difference between bidding and actually having the money. True. True. Yeah, let's find out like how that all pans out. Because, Elon uh, Musk has it in space, right? I know, and uh, you know, there's, there's some guys that want to get together, like Amazon, and like that. Uh, that is still not out of the realm of possibility. Let's get another phone call before we take a break at seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred Realty One Group Listener Line. Speaks to Jared here in Las Vegas. Good morning, Jared. What's up, man? Oh, all right. Well, uh, we'll we'll take uh, take a look with Jared in a few. Jared's minutes. looking for some extra money. Yeah, Jared's Jared. like, oh, check out the pillows, man. We'll like, join you. Come on, Jared. Go through the lazy boy. We find some money in that recliner. <laughs> right. The windswept mountain layer of uh, Colorado. It's Papa Meach. Good morning, Papa. Hey guys, nice to ha- hear Vinny this morning. It's awesome. So. The big three. Hey, I want to talk about um, the uh, broadcasting situation, but before I do that, I want to. I'm giving you now a second big hug, Heidi. But this is a victory hug. Oh my okay. gosh! I mean, don't you feel much better today? Than yes. Get that uh, 109 to 80, what, 88? I think was the final yesterday. Oh, uh, much better. Much yeah, better. Not allowing all I, I those thought, threes. Draymond yeah, was. Look- Taking shots where he was supposed to. Um, everything felt much better. Thank you. Yeah, was, did you notice that Draymond didn't take any threes? I loved it. Thank, well, thank you, Draymond. I'll, I'm going to say this. I don't know if you watched the movie The Godfather, but there was a scene where uh, somebody was going to testify against Vito Corleone. <laughs> yes. And they went and brought his grandfather, or his, excuse me, his brother from Sicily mm-hmm. to come sit in on the hearings. And as soon as the brother saw the brother, he's like, nah, I'm not going to be turning a yeah. rat. So when I saw that the Michigan State coach was in the stands yesterday. Oh, Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo, Izzo yeah. Draymond's former coach. Felt like Draymond was going to play the right way. There weren't going to be any chancy three-pointers. He was going to stay within Draymond's game. Looking over there and seeing Coach Izzo and giving him the look like, you got to play the right way today. So uh, I no surprise that Draymond Green played such a great game with uh, the godfather over there in the stands. Yeah, I was really happy to see it. And, of course, uh, I was happy that Poole kind of got on track, too, because I think uh, mm-hmm. he's going to have to start shooting those uh, three-pointers. So, anyway, I'm... 
I'm back breathing normally again, and uh, I, we got to take one of the two in Boston, hopefully two of the two, but one of the two at least, and we're back to even footing. Um, as far as the broadcasting deal goes, uh, a, a quick little story about broadcasting. I, I, I kind of somehow, as a fan, like the idea of bringing a young broadcaster who is really good in and then having a long-term relationship, you know, if they're really good at what they're doing. And my son, Sean, is uh, 36 years old, and a, a, a high school fr- a good uh, high school friend of his growing up, he's now the play-by-play announcer of um, the Avalanche hockey team. And if you go to Sirius and listen to one of their um, play-by, you know, his name is Connor McGahey. Connor's mm-hmm. 36. And you hear his voice. You hear how he articulates. You wouldn't think he's a 36-year-old guy uh, at all. And he's he's fantastic. So, um, you know, I don't know what young prospects are, are there, but um, I do have a list of names. And I was thinking of either, um, well, this may be a stretch, but Bob Costas. But I think Bob's more of a baseball guy. Dave Fleming, Brad Nestler, Beth Mowens, uh, I think she would be awesome. Sure. Dave uh, Pash. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Kenny Albert, Gus Johnson. Um, there's a lot of good talent out there, and uh, you know they've always gotten um, really good, talented people to be uh, their number one broadcaster. Uh, I think even didn't Nance wasn't Nance a broadcaster for the Raiders for one season or something? Jim Nance. I'd have to look that up, but it has been a lustrous uh, crew that they've had over the years. So uh, yeah, if you're, if you're sure. using the pass as a benchmark of you know where Mark Davis might go, I, maybe a big name is the direction that they take. Because again, it's a it's a it's an illustrious um, chair to fill, without question. I wonder if Pass it, would leave the Cardinals. I was just thinking about that. That's right. Yeah, I know he's Brad there, Nessler. But... I like one last question. Did did the way the tweet went? Did did he quit, or was he told that he they weren't going to bring him back? It seems like he was leaving. Yeah, it seemed own. like he made his own decision yeah. there, uh, Papa. Hey, we appreciate the call. Thank you for uh, for calling in. I love the Golden State talk. Like, like, like oh, hug. I want Wiggins to clean it up a little bit too. But I, I was happy with the level play. I watched the game. I was literally holding my breath the entire fourth quarter. Oh, so good. Uh, it, it was between the brothers, Kate. Yes. From Godfather 2. Exactly. Pachinjo Pachangeli <laughs> sitting in for his elder brother. Let's take a break. We'll come back. More on the other side. 702-365-9200. It's Raider Nation Radio, the morning tailgate in the huddle. Let's go. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on R&R 920 AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Salmon Ash text line. Text the keyword R&R followed by your message to 69187. It's a Monday morning here on Raider Nation Radio. It's the tailgate and the huddle here with you. Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, Clay Baker on this Monday as we broadcast live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Studios here at Raiders HQ in Henderson. we got time for a phone call, and then in the third hour, we'll get a little further into a, uh, an interview that Vinny had with Albert Breer from, uh, from Friday. And Albert wrote an interesting uh, story about Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler as they enter a new era here with the Raiders. We'll get into all that in the third hour, but more to the phones from the Realty One Group, listener line 702-365-9200. It's Raider Mike in Fort Myers, Florida. Good morning, Mike. Hey, How are Raider you? Mike. What's up, Heidi? Doing what's all up, right. How about, what, how what's you? up, my Paisan? Oh, Paisan, what's going on? Vincenzo. My Vincenzo. Oh, yeah. Raider, Raider Mike. Philly <laughs> cheesesteak. Yeah, Philly cheesesteak. Provolone. 
or cheese whiz? Oh, you can't go cheese whiz. I, I, Come on, Benny. I know that's that's what that's I'm. Exactly I mean, that's an Italian thing, though. Uh, we get we get uh, everyone else wants to put the orangey cheese whiz. I'm all about no. the cheese whiz. I know. Whiz me up. Do that. Yes, thank you. you. Can't do it. It's illegal. See, it's I, mean, I work. I work for the Solano family. Food college. Uh-oh. Oh, beautiful. Hey, oh, you know, hey. Fat Tony got shot in '82, '83. I mean, no. I'll take you, a bullet you for get the family. Stop for doing cheese whiz, Ben. Raider Mike, where do you feel on uh, where do you fall on cheddar cheese on pizza? I see that every once in a while. I just want to my head, my head explodes. Can't do that either, Benny. Man. I know exactly. All sorts of rules. Exactly. I, rules. I'm not the one breaking them. It's like people actually do that, and I want to strangle them. Uh, it's Watch just me do it for you. Right Mike, okay, you. there you go. All Something right. I asked Vinny, though, was can you cut the pizza in half, smack both sides together, no. like hey, get a giant calzone and eat it like a sandwich? If you it can kind of do that. You can get away with that one. <laughs> right. I don't know cool, about cool. that. Barely. Barely, Vinny. I just said barely. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, now let's, get to, let's get to the bones. All right. Let's hear it. What it who, I want clay by clay, Vinny. And Heidi, all three in the booth is what I really want. But you want to honor. smack the you want to smack the crap out of the NFL, which is about what it's about where I'm going right now. Put John Gruden in the booth. Oh, whoa! That would be, oh, that's like a dropping in a oh. bomb. You went there. Oh, hey, hey. hey. oh, oh. No, I mean, this boss He is going to break down. That D bag, Goodell, he's going to lose his job because all he's going to have all access soon. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to this, but he's going to well, have all access to those. I emails. hadn't noticed a thing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, Mike, I tell you what, we will follow that story yes. as it continues on because it's an interesting one, and you know, maybe like maybe it's like what what even Papa Meach was talking about with uh, Connor McGahey filling in for. Uh, you know, he's a young guy. We remember him here in Las Vegas. He was one of the studio hosts for the Vegas Golden Knights, and then he moved on after a year. Um, and he took over for uh, Mark Mosier, who was an absolute icon in Colorado for the Avalanche hockey. So, yeah, there there, there could be some new names there. But, oh, man, divisive force right there. I don't know if uh, anyone would be allowed to get away with that. Interesting thought. Uh, Too uh, hot to handle. Well, I'll tell you what, very hot. I, I'll tell you what, in the – the, the Italian conflict over the cheese right now. This is why Italy <laughs> lost the war in World War II. This is why. Because you guys couldn't get jumped, on the same page we, with the We jumped to the right side at the right time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everything Definitely. all got ironed out. <laughs> we're not fighters. Yeah, we're lovers. We're cheese lovers. Exactly. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Not cheese whiz lovers. Not anymore. Not in this room. Sorry, Baldy. <laughs> we'll come back on this offensive uh, scheme. Speak and, for yourselves. I know. I know. <laughs> Heidi's got four uh, bottles of cheese whiz in the bag right now. I'm ready. Now. <laughs> More on the other side, Heidi, Vinny, and Clay here on your Monday. Let's go. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Vegas. 